I really liked the nine to five lifestyle at first. Because when I was a kid, I was doing, you know, raking lawns for $5. And this is my calling. I know enough to be dangerous. We had our two worlds and now we're like, like intertwined at the hip. Life well crafted. Hello, welcome to another episode of Dre and Smiley, the Inner Circle Podcast. All right, so I'm excited to welcome our current guests here, Aaron and John, the dynamic duo behind the transformative magic of renovation. With an unbreakable bond as a husband and wife, they breathe new life into old spaces, infusing them with fresh energy through their masterful renovation skills. Their journey has led them to a laundromat revitalization where they discovered the profound synergy between their projects and community engagement. Aaron, the architect with an eye for intricate details and creative finesse, partnered with John, the craftsman and project manager extraordinaire. Together, they don't just renovate spaces, they cultivate a sense of belonging within the communities they touch. So with that, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Well, that was a wonderful introduction. So kind of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, so like like a number of our guests, you are uh, like, like them in that I have 101 questions for you. Unfortunately, <laughs> we don't have a tie for 101, so I'm trying to prioritize them in my mind. So let me start with with this. How did you guys discover the the synergy you guys have together, the bond you guys have together, and then realize, hey, we can leverage this to achieve our, our goals here? Talk to me about that, how that came together. So I think friendship has always been a really important part of our, our relationship because we were friends first. Um, and mutual friends, that's how we met. And then we got together. I'd always liked him. He'd always kind of secretly liked me. That's a whole other story. That makes um, it easy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and my background was in video production. Actually, I had no background in design, but I'd always had an interest in it. Um, and Ooh. John really, he really kicked off the renovations. That was more of his background. So I'll let him talk on that. But um, I definitely learned a lot through design, through just projects we did together. And then I think the laundromat was um, that really launched us to a different level because it was a different, it was a more unique project to tackle because it was a commercial space and it was a community space. You know, it wasn't just a house that, you know, we were renting out, which that's always fun too to do. But I think that the laundromat kind of pushed me to a new level um, to try to, you know, dig in more and research and um, be more intentional with it. So I think that helped. Yeah. And you guys have have leveraged that laundromat space into kind of a community space. I want to touch on that as well, but not only are you guys doing laundromats, you have rentals, you have Airbnbs, you have um, another, I guess, marketing business you guys uh, run that's, I guess, led by John and then a woman's retreat company. So you guys have a lot of irons in the fire. Um, serial entrepreneurs, it, it, it seems. Where does that drive come from? Is it Were your parents entrepreneurs or... Or you guys just kind of tired of the nine to five grind? Where's that entrepreneurship come from? I'll let John speak into that. He's the he's the big entrepreneur. He started it all, really. Yeah, it's a good question. My family was not entrepreneurs. They were business people, like I mean, corporate ladder throughout our lives. So I never grew up in that, um, and I don't think Aaron as well. We had a similar background of um, you know kind of traditional middle class backgrounds. Grew up in neighborhoods and and traveled and all that. Um, 
and then I guess when I went to college is when I first got exposed to entrepreneurship as a like this got to actually be a pathway because when I was a kid I was doing you know raking lawns for five dollars and doing you know lawn care and I would like found a car at an auction I could tell you all these stories that I love to like buy and sell and I was excited about that as a kid but I never knew you could actually have a career like that until as I got older I started to be exposed to, to mentors and people who are who entrepreneurs and uh, that's kind of where it started so my first jump into it was a house. I got an old, it was a foreclosed 1924 farmhouse. And um, that's, that's kind of where like I went in there It had like the floors were completely rotted. It's unlivable. And then we just figured out how to, how to turn it into a livable place. And it was our first rental. And that kind of started the, the journey toward, oh, heck, if you put your mind to something and you figure out how to do it and you bring the right people around it, you can kind of, um, yeah, create value and that people like, and yeah. Do you want to add anything to that, Aaron? I think I, I really liked the nine to five lifestyle at first because I enjoyed, um, I think the community aspect of having a nine to five, honestly, and going somewhere, showing up somewhere every day and getting to work with people and do life with people. And I'd always been in the video industry. It was really fun. Uh, and then we ended up moving to Charleston, South Carolina, which is a place we'd always wanted to live. And so it was really exciting. And, but I had been, you know, I had this same job for seven years. I was a uh, video producer for a humanitarian aid organization. So once I had left that specific job, I think um, that, you know, that was a career I was very passionate about and it was different now. I was like, okay, the, I, I want a job, you know, but it's, it's different when you're doing something that you're like, this is my calling, you know? And so when I started getting more involved with our projects, we were doing more rental properties and I started getting more into the design aspects of it. I started to really, really love that. And mm. I always liked video, but I started taking more and more interest in the design aspects of what we were doing. And I started getting books and delving into that, um, that whole world that I had never really been a part of. And I think with each project that we tackled, I, I loved it more and more. And so then it got to the point where I kind of needed to leave my nine to five because uh, I just didn't have time to do everything. And yeah. we needed energy and my brain power on some of these projects that we could run it um and it was scary at first i was kind of resistant to leaving nine to five life but um john has always been very encouraging with entrepreneurship and i've seen uh you know how his company he started his marketing company uh seven years ago i guess and to see how that's grown um and also yeah i just it was time and so i took that leap i quit my nine to five and it's been awesome. It's really helped uh, other things to grow. Yeah. You know, I'm going to pass over to Smiley here, but one thing that's, that resonates with me as you guys have shared your kind of your background a bit is that the partnership the two of you have is built on a lot of trust, right? You mentioned that you left your 95. You saw that John was, you know, doing what he was doing and, and, you're, and, and you felt like, wow, this is an opportunity for me to kind of jump in, you know, with both feet. Um, the reason the, 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 I guess the catalyst was, you know, the time, you didn't have time to do both. So that, that, that's, uh, that's beautiful. You know, a lot of, a lot of marriages, you know, it's a, it's a union, but I don't know if it's a partnership. I feel like there's a difference between the two. We had another couple on that, are, they, they have a number of businesses like you guys, and it's just incredible how well each of them do separately what they do, but together, the, the, the wife is kind of, the, the analyst, the the numbers person and the husband in this in this case in this particular marriage he's the one that just you know just tell me which direction to go and i'll get it done 
you know, and that, that's key, right? You know, in, in any business partnership, each person has to, has to kind of understand their role and just enjoy what they do and, and, and do it. So I, I love hearing that story. Definitely a curve on our side, for sure. I, yeah. I, don't, I think we're still learning that, the role setting. But in the beginning, it was, we were on the same, uh, I guess, uh, what, trying to do the same things at the same time. Okay. I'll do this. We realized we needed to separate. So I think we're very, I mean, we've been married for three years now. And so okay, I think okay. very much learning, like, how do we work together um, in these things? We definitely, yeah. she had strengths and I have strengths. And now we yeah, started to meld them together. Question for you, John. She mentioned that you came from marketing. I was watching your videos and you're demolitioning and constructing. Did you just know that or did you... Is it all DIY from uh, YouTube? I saw you have one of your buddies there for a bigger project, but it, do you tap into your your wealth of friends, or you just study YouTube and just make it happen? Yeah, I, I used to do that first house I was mentioning, the farmhouse. That's that's why I learned everything because we had to rip everything up to the guts and subfloor and figure out like electric and all this stuff. And so it really was like figure it out myself, and then. In that project, I learned that I could do a lot of stuff, but not that well. So now where we're at, we, we partner with like, there's some people that are really good at certain things, almost like subcontracting, but we love to be part of the demo, part of the design, laying everything out. And then I know enough to be dangerous so I could communicate and help like put my hands in and get part of stuff. But um, I learned that if I do it, you know, that everything's not going to be lined up perfectly at the end. You got to, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> that's me <laughs> like me that's me that's us well well the next question is is imagine this you're talking to john and aaron but you're going back in time because there's a lot of people who are on the edge of like i want to leave corporate america we could do this together what would you say would be the the good the bad and the unexpected like if you met someone who you like these guys are where we were five years ago let me tell you the pitfalls to avoid or just do it, just jump into it. Or what would you advise if you were going to advise yourselves three years ago, five years yeah, ago? That's a great question. That's a great question. Yeah. Like a lot of people think I'm like riskier than I am, but I'm very like risk adverse. A lot of things that we do are like, Oh, how did you do that? But I really like, I am the guy, I don't just cannonball into the pool. I like put my foot in and start slowly going. And I, the risk I take is like, I want to get into the pool, but I'm going to like come up with the plan to get there. And so I had a full-time job like, and still was doing houses on the side. So I was side hustling essentially until I could build up enough passive income from the house rentals that I could move into, Hey, let me pursue. And then at the same time we were building the marketing company. So I was, I was doing a full-time job, but the job didn't require 40, 60 hours a week. It was more of like a 20, 25 hour a week job you could do it. COVID hit and that allowed you to work remotely. So you could work on side hustles at the same time. So um, I very much took a very traditional path, but I was building um, something that I owned at the end, because when you work a job, you know, you're not going to own anything at the end, you're helping them build their dreams. And so I realized like, Hey, like, I think I might be as smart as this guy I work for, you know, I want to be able to build my own dream. And so I started doing my thing on the side with other people that had the same vision. And we started building until it got to the point where, Hey, I can take the leap out of this nine to five. So some people just, you know, quit college. They say, I'm going to go for it. I was not that guy. I was the guy that I'm going to, you know, slowly move there until I know that I'm have a good foundation and then I'll step onto that platform and start to build again. And so, and then Aaron has her own 
yeah, what would you say that you would give advice? I would say, I think I'm also very risk averse, but maybe in a more traditional sense of that's all I knew, you know, nine to five, like my dad, my dad was always this example to me because he was very, he had the steady job he had for decades, you know, and that's what I saw. And I like would go visit him in his office and he, you know, I would sit in his cubicle and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I was like, I want to work in a cubicle someday. And I did, you know, I did. I can't wait to have my own cubicle. (laughs) (laughs) My dad dad also left his night. He ended up starting his own thing. And, um, and I didn't think much of it, honestly, when I was, I didn't realize like me and my dad are actually quite similar. We both like the, you know, the routine and the security, but then he's so much happier when he left his job. Um, but I think for me, it just didn't seem possible. I'm like, I'm not an entrepreneur. You know, I, I like this, this is who I am. This is what, but I always had this burning desire to create something of my own. And I did not see them as the same. I just saw, oh, I have lots of ideas, but I'm a nine to five girl. But I would always hit this dead end of this nine to five. Like I'm not steering this nine to five. So it's going to take me wherever, you know, wherever it needs to go. It's not my own thing. So I always felt like all these ideas and things that I wanted to do, these passions, they never got to go anywhere because I wasn't putting any time or effort into them. So I think once we did, we were set up where like we had launched our Airbnb. And so that had kind of replaced my nine to five salary. It was time, like it was safe to do it. And I knew logically on paper, like, okay, this is safe to, to leave this job, but it was still, you know, to speaking to anybody who feels like, oh, I'm not an entrepreneur. I, I'm a nine to five person. That's what I thought too. And I think once you get to the other side and especially if you have things you want to do, like my women's retreats, I'd always wanted to, you know, do more of that, but it wasn't until I, you know, we'd grown our Airbnbs that ended up being the platform to launch the women's retreats. That was the catalyst for what I wanted to do. And I just keeping taking those steps um, and it's scary. Every step is scary and it's going to feel scary until you're like, oh, wow, I'm actually going somewhere that I'm really, really excited about. And you wake up with a different kind of um, excitement for life because it's your own thing that you're building. And that is so amazing. I'm so glad you both mentioned the word risk because we had someone else has said uh, they tried to do the they were doing their corporate job and they do a house or two. Then they did it. Then it didn't go well. Then they come back to their corporate but he said that he burned the boats in 2017. And I said, what do you mean burn the boats? He's like, there was no going back to corporate America. We're going to make this work or it's not going to happen. But by doing it as a gradual one, you, you kind of, you replaced your income with your Airbnb, gave you the confidence. And when I looked at the, hub, the home you made in the Stone Mountains or South Carolina, North Carolina, that's beautiful. I was like, man, I was like, he must be a tradesman or whatever. But it was the, the way you have the, coffee in each room and everything is all communal but it's separate and I was like the last one before I turn it over to Andre so when you look at a process now or a project like laundromat is totally different than a house in the mountains which is a nice resort maybe I'll, I'll Dre and Smiley will sponsor some rooms up there but <laughs> when, when, you, when, you, when you look at a project now do you assess it from a risk perspective or is it something that says you know what this is an incremental step to what we know what we can do or because laundromats to the st- the mountains seem like a totally opposite on the spectrum. So do you go through projects of assessing risk first or is just something that you're passionate? Like we could do that. Let's just do that. <laughs> <laughs> The random stuff is probably more me. I think I, I like 
because, you know, I was growing up, I'd find a car and be like, oh, I'm going to buy and sell that. I'm going to do this. I always like new projects, I think. And I think um, there's a there's this um, uh, thing called bizbysell.com. And it's, I don't know if you guys are yeah, with it. Yeah, I'm on there a lot. Yeah, yeah I, lo- I look at it. And I'm like, okay, what's a business that's passive, that's interesting, that we could add value to? And I think what Aaron and I realized that our strengths together are I'm more like, I can identify an opportunity, um, see if it, it could work. We could bring marketing behind it. And Aaron brings design and experience and community around it. And so so we did that with the Airbnb kind of set up and brings that together. Um, when this laundromat hit there, I was like, that's interesting. It's down the street in Charleston. I've always wanted to be, because we're, we're between North Carolina and South Carolina. So everything is in North Carolina that we have as far as properties and um, when we moved down to South Carolina, I was like, I want to be more involved in the community here. What's something that, you know, could get some roots in the area. So that came online. It needed a ton of work when we went in there. Like if you've seen any of the videos, I mean, it could have been a- yeah, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. It was just like full of stuff and the people were sitting on broken everything and all the machines were broken. It was just, it was just a place you don't want to be, but because of that, nobody wanted it and it was discounted. It was very cheap. And I'm like, Hey, we, we, we know construction, we know design, we know like marketing, let's go in here and revitalize this place. And we did, we applied those things to it. And what we didn't expect was the community aspect. Like we fell in love with the people and everybody started coming out of the woodwork and people were driving by and you don't realize how much of a staple a laundromat is. Um, I, I didn't know, you know? And so we, we learned a ton from that project. So that was random, just like, hey, like, let's go down this rabbit trail and see where it goes. It ended up being something really cool. So that was me. I don't think it was in line with like wellness or like, you know, retreat design or anything like that. It was more of me saying, let's go do this. And Aaron's like, okay, we'll see what we can do. And- I love it. I love it. A couple things come to mind. One is, I mentioned this earlier, I'm going to say it again, because I think it's meaningful. Any good partnership has to be built in part on trust, mm-hmm. right? And so whether it's, you know, one person saying, hey, let's we, we let's, build, let's build a rocket that'll take us to the moon. Even if the other partner is like, I'm not sure, but yeah, let's let's try. You know, I, I love that 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 both of you, you know, whoever comes up with the idea is like, okay, let's let's give it a try. You know, let's research it, figure out if it makes sense and give it a try. That's one that comes to mind. Second thing that comes to mind is that you know, you're an investor, you've you've heard this this um this story before. It goes something like uh, a, a real t- real estate investor and another guy walk into a uh, a home, right? It smells, walls are torn down, and the one guy's like, "Oh my gosh, do you smell that?" And the real estate investor is like, "Yeah, smells like money." <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so it was clear to me. We walked to that laundromat and saw that it was in a horrible shape. Clothes were in the in the in the washers that had been there for a while. Yeah. The walls and the ceilings looked awful. Things were had, had been left there for a decade or so in drawers and whatnot. And it's clear that both of you looked at that and said, hey, we could we could probably make something of this. Yeah. And w- which which leads leads me to my next comment here and a question. You mentioned in, in one of your posts that you guys like to bring spaces back to life that you then use to bring people together. The laundromat is one of those spaces. Talk to me about that mindset, where it comes from, and how you're doing that today. Um, I think it's funny because saying that now, like I think I recently posted that because we've been talking a lot, you know, like where where are all of our threads? Like what are the things that we're passionate about? You know, because we, we talked lately, we're like sometimes our life feels scattered. You know, we have 
places in North Carolina. We have the cilantro. Like, what unites us? What are the connecting factors between all of these places? It's like we've always said we look for the overlooked. Like, we like the worst building, you know, that it's like it's disgusting. It's like you're saying it smells, you know, but we're we love to just like dream up even when we're on walks and stuff. We'll like walk by a funeral home. Like, what if we renovated a funeral home? You know, we're always just dreaming. I love it. It's for fun, you know. And but then community has always been super, super central to our lives. Like it's always been something that I've been passionate about, John, too. That's been part of our life and our marriage. Um, No matter what we're doing, I think community has always been super important. But then I think because we're, we're passionate about both of those things, like we're passionate about bringing spaces back to life and passionate about community. I think the community came naturally because we saw like, for example, the, the wanderer, the community aspect there is yes, because there's a common space for guests to interact, but also it's a place for retreats. So that's a place now that we can bring people together um, in that space that used to be gross, you know, it used to be not very loved. And then with the laundromat, that's the best example of community because it's, you know, people can come every day. Like community can be attainable for free every single day in that place. You can just come hang out. Um, and so I think because we recognize that now, we're saying, okay, we're doing both of these things because we, we're passionate about both. Um, once we called that out and we spoke that out, we said, okay, this is what we're doing. And um, I think that's something a lot of people asked us after the laundromat went viral. We're like, what's next? You know, and that was something that we had to talk a lot about. We're like, what is next? What do we want to do? You know, we have this opportunity. Like, what are what are the things we're going to seek out? What are What's our mission, you know? And I think mm. now that we've identified, these are the things we're passionate about. Um, I think we're going to be, I mean, we're always open to whatever, you know, we're always going to be looking for the best opportunity, you know, um, a good deal, a good, you know, a good project to bring back to life. You know, we're never going to be, closed off to something because it doesn't fit necessarily in our what we're looking for but it's always going to be community and it's always going to be bringing something back to life at least we hope so i think that's our new like our recent mission that we, we've decided to just name it and call it so so did you want to add anything to that john yeah i'll add to it um yeah i mean i think i think the bringing spaces back to life it was like my side of it and Aaron's was community because I'm, I'm an introvert. And so I get nervous on these things. I don't know how to, you know, I'm not necessarily, you know, big extrovert. And Aaron is the extrovert of our relationship. And so she brings the community and I bring the spaces. And that's how I think we were yeah. able to, to really um, come together uh, in a lot of ways. And so I think it, that's where the partnership, like we've gone a lot farther once we came together. Because I used to do these houses, but if you could have seen that, initial houses I would do by myself. They were terribly designed, like pulled together and, you know, and then she came in and just like brings life to them, joy, like brings all these beauty and stuff and, and people. Um, yeah, because I'm more business and, and, and introvert side of it. So, yeah. I, you, just to follow up a little bit, I have an Airbnb as well. And I feel like I'm like you, John, because my wife, we went in there. I went to the Dollar Tree to get the plates. And she's like, no, no, no. And she, 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 went, she went down as designed for the napkin holders. And then these are the things people talk about in the reviews. It's like, I'm like, who cares about that? I'm like, and it's, just like it's the details that she brings to the Airbnb that everyone likes. And I'm like, what? I don't even see that. But all the couples that come over there, they're always identifying the little things from a design perspective that she adds that little sprinkles on the cake. The cake is still good, but the sprinkles just <laughs> make, make it look a better. little extra happy. <laughs> yeah, so, but one thing before I go back to Drake, 
you're you're not the or yeah, John's the marketing representative, but Aaron, you said we looked for the overlooked. I saw a T-shirt right there. That's just, that's so powerful. <laughs> yeah, it makes life exciting for sure. We're always looking for something. But so, so I, one other comment too, John. You mentioned uh, being the introvert. I am as well, and like Aaron, my wife's the extrovert. And it's funny, whenever we go places, you know, uh, she knows everyone in our neighborhood. She knows everyone, you know, she'll hang outside and things like that. To follow up to the uh, and what you guys are doing with, with the laundromat, right? One of the things you guys are doing in, in the research I did is you guys have, I, I, could, I may have this phrase wrong, free wash days. Uh, maybe it's free wash Fridays. Tell me about that. How did that come about and, and why do you do it? Yeah, it, well, when we... And, and almost inherited the laundromat and everything, you know, all the people that worked there, the things that used to do. And the guy who um, sold it to us kind of said, here's these past contacts. There's these people that used to sponsor laundries. We haven't done it in a while. It's been years, but they used to do it kind of during COVID. They started to back up a little bit um, and reach out to them and see if they're interested. And then I did, and they're called the low country blessing box. So it's a, it's a local group that um, puts food pantry boxes, different places around low country for people to get food. Um, and, and but they also have like other um, pieces of their of their ministry and one of them they let's they said let's do like free laundry days and we'll sponsor it for the community so I reached out to them we did our first one it was our grand opening and so we shut like I guess we got the laundromat um, last year like this time last year I guess and we just let it run just figure out how to do the laundry business for about six months so we ran it all the way through. Um, New Year's and then we just said I just want to watch it like what happens in the laundromat like how are people interacting what's good what's bad and then we shut it down on January 1st and um, and kept it closed until roughly March and then then we opened it back up with the free laundry day and so we covered everything up while we were doing the construction so nobody could see what was going on and people would be stopping and like what's going on in there when are you opening I'm sick of going down having to drive all the way down to this you know other place and um so we opened it back up as a big party and then we realized just talking to the people and seeing the people that walked through the door, how impactful that was. And there was so much energy behind, I, I guess, the, the social pieces and everybody was just excited about the opening of the laundromat. Um, and so we said, could we keep this going? And so we kept having all these people reach out and we were like, you could sponsor a free laundry day. So we had like, um, I, I can't like, we just had a bank, local bank that sponsored the North Charleston police wow. that are planning and doing the Longshoremen's Association, just all real these estate. real estate companies, like everybody who is wow. community is seeing this as an opportunity to, to give back and help. And so we were like, this is a great platform. So we've been doing it once a month, roughly ever since we opened. Um, and then, it's just a big party, essentially, like people are giving away raffling food and, and uh, money. They'll give away money and bikes and all this free stuff. We have food giveaways, ice cream, ice cream chucks. Um, yeah, it's just been awesome to see how many, how giving people are through the laundromat, too. That's awesome. That's awesome. That, that brings me, uh, brings to mind the other mantra I saw in one of your posts, which is uh, life is better lived together. How much, you know, just it's, it's amazing. You know, there's, there's so many entrepreneurs that are out there that, you know, figuring out, hey, how can I make my next million, you know, and at, at, at any cost, no matter the impact on the community. Um, I love the fact that you guys are, are ambitious. You guys have drive. You guys have goals. But at the same time, you also want to leave a positive impact on the community that you do business in. 
which is incredible. It's incredible. Um, I, I have to ask again. So, so where does that come from? Where, you know, not the entrepreneurship part, just the part, part that you guys are so interested in leaving a, a positive impact on the community that you do business in. Yeah, I think. Well, I feel like with the laundromat, like John kind of said, we didn't know how much the community would be such a huge part of it. Um, and I think just showing up during the renovation and spending time there every day, you start to realize, like you start to familiarize yourself with the neighborhood and the people that live there because you see them all the time. And like that Reynolds community uh, is a ton of people who walk there every day. That's a lot of people come there because they walk there from their nearby house. It's been there for decades. It's been the staple and people want to see it. They don't want to see it become something else. You know, they want it to be their laundromat. That's their neighborhood laundromat that they've gone to for decades like their family whatever and so I think I think maybe it's just being open to learning about the environments where our properties are Mm. whatever we're doing and saying hey we don't have a necessarily an agenda um because we really were total beginners we'd never you know we, we didn't know anything about the laundry industry and John like learned way more at first he was on YouTube you know watching what it is to be a laundromat owner and how do you fix the machines and all that stuff and um, for me, I was learning about design, you know, what are, what are things you need in a laundromat? And then a lot of it was talking to people when you meet them and starting to recognize people. Um, and then by the end of those, I guess it was about three months that it took to renovate the laundromat. Um, we really loved the community. You know, we'd met the guy who worked at the church across the street and he painted the inside and he brought his nephew and he would help him out. And you just start to see kind of the inner workings of the community. And then when we opened, it was a whole other level. We're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And people responded well. And I think the more we've done them, the more people come. And then we'll see people on the street if we're there, um, you know, collecting quarters or whatever, someone will run across the street and say, hey, I just want to say, I love free laundry days. Thank you for doing them. And you see people you recognize like, oh my gosh, hi, it's good to see you. Are you coming on on Saturday? You know, so I think the more we learned, we could not have come in there with like this goal. Hey, we're going to just do something amazing for this community. Yeah. No, we didn't know anything. But then once we've like truly learned how amazing the people are and how much fun, we have so much fun on these free laundry days. It's just like genuinely a party, like John said. So um, that's another great incentive. We're just Yes, I can't wait, you know, free laundry day. So I think that's part of, you know, if we bought a different business that we knew nothing about, I don't think we could necessarily apply the same model because we'd have to learn about that community and those people and how that works. I, I, I have a quick story. Um, I, I won't, won't say exactly how old I am, but I got over five decades. And I remember, I, I, I remember vividly when we, I was 13 when we got our first washer and dryer in our house. So prior to that, my mother would take my brother and I to the laundromat and we would go and we would get so excited when my other friends in the neighborhood, their mothers would be there at the same time because we would just play in the laundromat because they were like, get over there or whatever, but you're there. And it was like a weekly thing. We would have to go to the laundromat from birth to 13 until we got our first washer and dryer. And then it's like, you, you don't see your friends anymore. You don't get to hang out because we're... 10 years, you're hanging out with your buddies at the laundromat. And it's like the mothers get it all together and they're over there talking. And I'm going to be like four or five yeah. families. So there's like seven or eight, nine kids while the the mothers are doing their things. We're over here playing. And I totally forgot about those experiences until you started talking about the laundromat and how much of a positive experience it's, it is. 
I think I must have been at least 10 before I realized I had machines you could put in your house. It was just like, what? you get? When, I think it was when we got a washer and dryer. I'm like, really? You can bring them home? I thought you just had to go there to get your washer and dryer. But so, so I would have take that and say three years, five years into these projects, let's say it's a decade away and Dre and I'll have, or I'll have six decades. And we say, hey, John, Aaron, what? We're so happy because now you're 10 years into the future. You have have a East Coast style laundry facility or you have more houses in the in the mountains or you have a nonprofit that's uh, who knows what or you don't go that far out into the future. What does the future look like if money was no object? Money is no object. That's a great 10 question. 10 years into the future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's such a that's such a good question. And it's a hard question, I feel like, because we, we were looking, long story short, there was this TV show uh, producers that said, all right, we want to do a project with you guys and you can do anything oh. you want. It doesn't matter. The money's no object. And we want you guys to awesome. do a property. And we mm. struggled with like, what? That's you know, it's even harder to have. I think vision is something. I think I've always, if I step back, like, I would say early on, going back to my roots, and Erin probably as well, she used to work in humanitarian aid. My first job was with, uh, uh, it's an organization called Cross Trade. So I went and I got my MBA, I studied business, I love business, that's my skill set, my tool. But the only pathway in business I saw was going a corporate route or just like, let's go chase millions and hustle and stuff. And I, I became a believer probably in college. And so I was like, how do I, how do I, unite my faith with business. Cause if I really believe this thing, that's more important than just making money and dying and passing it along. And it's just all, you know, it's all mothballs. So, so how do I unite those two things? And so I started, I got all about business for good. Cause I, I did some traveling and I saw countries that, that really like people, business is not like, like in the U S we're used to a, a subway on every corner, but you go to some of these countries and they're just trying to figure out how to get the bread from here to there, to these local communities. Like business is really a tool that helps people and it gives jobs X, Y, Z. And so um, I got excited about that. And so I started working for this group called cross trade and they worked out of Brazil and they found artisans making things. And long story short, we would ship it over. And it was very much a nonprofit model. We tried to look like it was a business, but we were really kind of donating. And I just felt like I love the heart behind it, but it wasn't doing the impact that real business does because businesses can change the world. Nonprofits mm -hmm. usually are going after donations. So I was like, how do you combine that model? Um, and that's like the business for good model. So I think that everything that we've been moving forward in the laundry mat has become this, like if we opened a building and said, Hey, free laundry, it's supported by donations, X, Y, Z come in there. I think it would be different than we start a really good laundromat that needs to make a profit. And there's people in here that keep it clean. They take care of it. It's worth it. And then, you know what, we want to help the community. And so we're going to open it up for free time. It, they value it so much more than yeah. if we made it a government like giveaway. Like, hey, this is, it's just part, everybody gets it. Um, this is something that has value. Um, and then I've seen at the same point that the more successful we can make it, people are coming in left and right saying, hey, do you have jobs? Like, do you have something I can work? There's so many pe like people in these communities that want to work at the laundromat. They're like, I'll do, I'll, I'll clean, I'll, I'll fold laundry, I'll do it. So the more I can grow it, the more people can come in there and just be in the community and, and, and have jobs. And so 
Um, I really see that as personally, our vision, I think, is to, it doesn't really matter the business if it makes sense, but it's like, can it have an impact for good? Can it help like bring community, healthy community? Can it, it just be something that not just, you know, makes a dollar, like you said, Dre. Yeah, and I think too, because I kind of broke into the design world a little bit with this laundromat. And then after that, you know, we were like, are we going to go, you know, have a business where we design people's houses and do, you know, high-end interior design. And I just always felt like that necessarily wasn't, that wasn't me either. And I think that design in itself isn't necessarily the thing, but I think like John saying business for good is definitely something we're passionate about. And then making those spaces beautiful and, um, we've talked a lot about, you know, spaces that are for wellness or um, third third places or third spaces. I don't know if you guys have heard of the concept, but uh, basically just a community space. It's like, you know, you have your home, you have work, and then a third place could be a laundromat, a cafe, uh, a nail salon. These places that you go to in the public that you spend time in, and it's where you can meet other people and community happens naturally. So I learned about the term after the laundromat and a lot of people were talking about third places and how important they are. Mm. And in the digital age, there's this huge decline in third places because people are online, you know, that's where they're getting their sense of community. So I think (laughs) to answer your question, this is a long answer, but I think um, we don't necessarily have like one thing that we're saying this is our this is what's next i think we're open and we want to see where god leads us to say okay this is the next thing you're going to do and right now we want to do a really really good job of growing the things that we have already because i think at the beginning i was really stressed you know we got to make something happen what's this next thing you know and i think um i was reminded that you know we have this amazing the laundromat right now is the focus though these retreats are the focus and just doing those really, really well. And I think the more we dig into that and the more time we spend, you know, instead of spending that time trying to figure out something new, like spending that time showing up to the laundromat, getting to know the people more, I think I've just felt more at peace releasing that pressure to just be like, okay, what's the next thing you got to do? And we're always excited. We're always looking, you know, at opportunities and looking at properties and just dreaming because that's who we are. We can't stop. (laughs) But um, I think we're open would be the answer, but... Um, and we want it to be with something business for good or wellness and that we can maybe use the businesses like to give, I don't know, to give free things. So if we had some kind of business that we could give that service for free to people who work at the laundromat or something like that, you know, that we can use that to bless our attendant Steve who works there or something. We want them all to be connected to somehow. So that's all we got. I love it. I, I, I love it when you said third spaces, because at first when you mentioned third spaces, I'm thinking... Is that a bar? Is it a cigar bar? Is it a lounge? I'm in Tampa. My brother smokes cigars. I don't smoke cigars. My other friends drink. I don't drink. My other friend gamble. I don't gamble. So all these places, they want to go and socialize. I'm like, I'm not going there. But I like the third spaces where it's just like a community. You just go there and hang out. Or it's just like, yeah, that's such a a visual description. I, I like that. So no, the one thing I wanted to mention is when you mentioned when John mentioned that you traveled around the world in Brazil and you see different things. I was watching YouTube the other day and there was a, a psychiatrist or sociologist type professor professional from the US. He went to this region in Africa and he said, Okay, he lined up say six little boys and he said, Here's a basket of candy ten yards away. Whoever gets there first has the whole basket. 
He said, one or three, two, one, go. Well, they all stood up and walked together to the basket. And he's like, what, what's going on? And the guy said in Butu, which in their world is, we don't want it unless we all can share from it. So no one raced. They just all walked together to the basket. He's looking for a race. And they're like, no, we don't want it if we all can't share it. And when you see other co cultures or communities or countries, they have a totally different perspective of, of business, but by looking at it from a humanitarian perspective, the money comes, you know, the money will come as long as it's for good, I think. So, no, thank you for that. Something you mentioned, John, that, that again, resonated with me is the importance of, of, of the opportunity to create networks, right? So you mentioned something that I think is key. I just want to bring up again, because it's so, it's so meaningful, I think. One option is, you know, you, you could have, the two of you have, have said, you know what, there's the option of just turning this laundromat into uh, something that just feeds those or, or provides um, free laundry to those that need it, right? And so it's more of a, um, you know, free laundry all the time. The challenge with that is that you have one group that would use that laundromat, right? The one group, and you'd be obviously filling a need. The downside there in my mind is that that one group will no will never have the opportunity to meet the entire community, right? With the potential of them to, you know, network with others, right? Whether they're just networking with people they would have never come across because, you know, they're in a different SES class. So providing a business, whatever the business, a laundromat, um, bed and breakfast, whatever it is, providing a business that also includes those that may not normally be able to, to access that business, creates that network for them to in interact with people they may not have, other have, have otherwise come across. Um, so I, I, I like that approach. You know, I, I think any, any good business, right, is there's nothing wrong, you know, and I hesitate to say this because, you know, but my, I have family members who look down on a profitable business. They're just greedy. <laughs> but there are businesses, right, that are run well and they leave an incredible impact on the community, right? The example of your laundromat is one that, that, that comes to mind for me. You know, there's nothing wrong with running a profitable business. If you're not running a profitable, bus running a profitable business, then... Or your goal isn't to run a profitable, but you probably shouldn't be in business, right? You should probably start a nonprofit, and there's nothing wrong with having a nonprofit. But so I, I'm glad that you that you mentioned that, John, in terms of like, yeah, our goal is to have you know inclusivity, you know, ha with our business that's profitable and, and bring people in the community in so they can network with everyone in the community. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you you, you uh, shared that. Yeah, no, that's, that's so insightful, and that I. I, I've never like you're exactly right because the people that like there's this there's this wealthy area of Charleston called Daniel Island and I was in there the other day just you know doing inventory and stuff and this couple comes and they're like yeah we're from over, over on Daniel Island and never in my mind am I thinking people on Daniel Island are coming to do their laundry but they were like hey we have like you know like comforters and stuff have to be done in a large machine they can't fit inside so people do have to use laundromats even if they have machines. And they were like, we saw that this place is clean. It like got good reviews. We saw that you're bringing people in the community to come check it out. And this has become our laundromat. And so those people are mixing with the people that you know are living across the street. You know, it's like it's it's very um, a, a well 
done business brings everybody to be comfortable, safe. And I think when you make it free, there's something psychological about getting like, if you said, hey, we're doing free lunches or whatever, people are like, oh, it's probably the quality is not there. But if you're at, if somebody says, hey, Ruth Chris is doing a free steak night, everybody's showing up because it's like, wow, like the value that's going to be put behind a well done business. I can't wait to get access to that for, you know, so it's like, I think there's, it's like finding that hybrid model of like charging the that's right. cost, but then giving it away, you know, that's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's marketing, you know, in a lot of ways, but it, it, it's been really cool um, to see how awesome. it plays out. Um, but yeah, awesome. it's yeah. mixing pot for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So uh, here's the question that leads into the final four. What's one thing, and each of you can answer this, unless there's one answer between the two of you. What's one thing that most people don't know about you that you wish they did? Good question. There's a six pack abs that I'm just... <laughs> I got one too, John. I got one too. I got, I got a six pack here. I, it, it's just it's, it's right. hitting his side. I got a twelve pack. Right. It's just hitting. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think for me personally, it's that like I can come. I I think I've become more embracing of like learning myself. I think being in marriage, you learn more about things that you just you know you can just live your you know. We got married three years ago, so I think the friction of getting to um, to know yourself within the identity of somebody else too has brought out things in myself that I, I just took for granted before. Not like, Oh, I, I took for granted. These are great things about me, but these are things that could just exist without. Um, so I think my, my need of um, introversion and that sort of stuff, people always think I'm extroverted in a lot of ways. I think that that piece um, that when I interact with people, I think, yeah, wish, wish I knew that, um, yeah, I'm more quiet and like that, I guess that would be why. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You go. I think I, that I'm in the learning phase right now of everything I'm doing. And I hesitate to say this cause I know you're not supposed to say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm new at this, but I think mm. it's, it's good for people to know that you can start over. Like I just turned 30 last year and I felt like, um, you know, I had just left my job and, you know, we hadn't renovated the laundromat yet. And I just felt like I was, I had started over. I had nothing really going for, you know, I didn't have this. I don't know. I felt like I was at a point where I had started over my life and I felt like that was very like scary and kind of humbling. Mm. You know, six months later to see like the amazing things that can happen mm-hmm. when you just keep stepping out and through your fear and that like, I, I think if people like people see me now on, you know, on social media, like, oh, wow, you have it all figured out. It's like, I do not have it figured. Like six months ago, I did not know what I was doing with my life. And I think um, anyone can, can, I don't know, bring out these things that are important. If you think like a laundromat is important and you put your mind to it, you know, you never know what can take off. You never know what could be successful or not even successful like what could be fulfilling and exciting in your life and that it's possible so i think like if you have dreams if you if there's something you want to start or if you're scared to do it like take it from me anyone can figure it out and even if you're scared they always say do it scared i was so scared (laughs) every step of the way but now i think it's really cool six months later looking back and be like wow i'm really glad that i just kept going you know yeah 
if I could take her answer for that too. I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I guess I guess I'll say it. I'm 57 and. I just started another sort of business and every time you do something that growth growing pattern, mm -hmm. it's some fear and uncertainty. But I, I always put in my mind the caterpillar that's looking at the other butterflies. You gotta go through some growth to get out of that cocoon. And when you come out, it's something beautiful. It's something totally different. So I'm hopefully I'm on the opposite end of my growth because I've been in fear for a couple months now. But once again, it's like I see the other caterpillars, so you can get it. So that's always it's reoccurring, which means you're always metamorphosizing. You're always growing. You're always learning, whether it's socially or my daughter just turned 16. That's another growth that's just totally when you bring in other little ones that look like you and they're dependent on you, that's another form of growth and fear. Like, what do I do with this person? They don't take quarters. <laughs> There's a phrase, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna butcher it, but there's something, it goes something like this. It goes, there was a man, and, and the goal is not to be this man. There was a man that died at 27, but wasn't buried until 70. Mm. Meaning that he just stopped growing. He just stopped learning. He, he lost that thirst for life, you know? And at 27, he just, you know, just was done. And this kind of was just moving through life until he was 70 and then and buried. All right. For the final four, if you, both of you, were going to have dinner with three other couples at your table, it could be single couple or one person, or it could be Bill and Melinda Gates or whoever it is. Who would you want those other three couples to be at your dinner table and why? I'll, I'll, I'll do one, and then you think. Well, um, I, I really like George Washington, and, and I love history. And I, you know, there is like what the wig, the wig, your teeth. What is it exactly? <laughs> yeah, I think I think it was it was just an inspirational character, and that everybody has their you know downfalls and stuff. But I felt like what they were stepping into and, and they, they were step, essentially early entrepreneurs. They didn't know what they were doing. They were starting a new country, you know, just mm -hmm. like a new or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think I would love to just kind of pick his brain, him and Martha. Um, yeah. The Mandarin. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say, uh, I would say somebody like Chip and Joanna Gaines or like there's this couple mm. in Charleston who just got a TV show um, named, I think, I forgot their names. Gray and something. The Benkos. Yeah. But they have a show on Magnolia Network. We just started watching because it's in Charleston. So I feel like a couple that is in our field that would be interesting to talk to you about, like, you know, design, construction, marriage, all that stuff. Yeah. And the third couple, maybe just... Mm. just... Probably uh, Michelle and Barack Obama. Sure. I feel like they're <laughs> in... Okay. Okay. <laughs> As a couple. Yeah. They're a power couple. It would be really cool. Yeah. 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 And who would be the fourth? All right. Mm. I guess that's four people, but yeah, that's four people. That's three couples. Uh, you guys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, of course, of course, yes. How could you forget us? That's right, that's right. So, Aaron, does does Chip do Chip and Joanna Gaines have their own network? You mentioned the Magnolia yeah, Network. Do. That's theirs. Yeah. So they're like wow. producers or executive producers on the shows now. So it's a different. It's kind of a different wow. feel than some of the other um, shows. It's more a little bit more artsy. I feel like it's yeah. So far, of what I've seen, it's been really cool. 
That's pretty big. You mentioned you guys, uh, John mentioned earlier, touched on the fact that somebody reached out to you guys about having a show. That doesn't surprise me at all. I could totally see you guys having some sort of show. Uh, it's just a matter of time, I imagine. Unless there's something in the works already, but you can't talk about it right now. No. <laughs> I feel like okay, okay. on camera. I don't know. I feel like we would be really nervous. I get really nervous on camera. It's really analyze your life once you think about people following you around with cameras. You're like, what do I do all of that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not as productive as I thought, as I, thought I was. Yeah, okay. <laughs> interesting stuff. <laughs> okay, next question. What's been your greatest success as a couple? What's been your greatest success? Maybe, oh, so you go ahead. What were you going to say? No, no. Go I feel like maybe, like John said, we're three years married. So maybe like being able to, I feel like our relationship has gone through a lot of stretching. You know, we got married during COVID and now like now we're learning to work together. You know, we do everything together. We have the same friends. We, you know, we live together. We work remote together. We renovate together. We do everything together. Um, and we haven't killed each other yet. So I think that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, John, John has to pull out his hair, so that's a good time. And Aaron, uh, John hasn't come up missing, so he must be doing a good job. Yeah. <laughs> I think our greatest, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's that, like, so I was, I guess I was 30 when we got married. You were 27? Yes. So a little bit later in life, marriage, not super late, but, like, you know, so we established, like, our lives and then coming together, like, to break everything apart and then pull it back together. We moved out of Charleston as a, let's start a new, in a new place, new friends, new, um, let, like from scratch, yeah. let's just do new projects together. Like, you know, everything was kind of, everything has been new over the past three years really. And so I think our greatest accomplishment is being able to like move to a new place. I think new home, new, like, like establish a foundation that I think, um, where we're on together now in, in Charleston. And I think with that comes like new challenges in marriage and different stuff as we're learning, but, um, and working on projects. Cause it's one thing she used to be nine to five all the time. And I would do my thing. We had our two worlds and now we're like, like intertwined at the hip, you know? And so, and that, um, you know, it comes with like, this is, and I'm very like, this is how everything needs to be done. You know, it needs to be done. Like, if you're going to fix the machine, it needs to be done. Oh, don't do this. Screw you, bring it. It's been really, yeah, fun and um, and growing at the same time. But greatest company. Awesome. Moving to a new place and building a new life together in the past two years. So if you were to identify a superpower, Superman flies, the Hulk has his strength, Wonder Woman has her laser and her invisible jet. What would be your superpower that's uniquely you that's mm -hmm. just like, that's my superpower? Well, so I was a producer for um, humanitarian aid organization, like I said. And so I think my job was to like hit the ground, find people to tell their stories like in the middle of a disaster and then find ways to connect with them. And I think like I really lo loved, was passionate about like, connecting with these people and like here, like pulling out the, or pulling out their stories or pulling out their hurts and like, um, and then I don't know, just making them feel heard. So I think that's something that I'm really passionate about in all areas of my life, whether it's friendships or people that I run into, like that's something that, um, I think is important. Like just hearing people's stories, like letting people speak and give space to talk and like feel like heard and 
little bit more relieved that they got something off their chest or something like that. Yeah. 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 I think, I think, I think mine would be, I, I think I just naturally am business minded, I think creator, like, but using business as my skill set. So I think, um, probably some sort of, um, like power of, 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 of seeing something that maybe other people don't see. So some sort of vision and then, um, you know, setting into action, trying to bring the resources and things around it, try to like, um, I don't know what power that would be, but no, I think, yeah, yeah you can like make anything successful most of it. Like he, he brings, ah. you know, like, cause I honestly was so skeptical about the laundromat. I was like, what do you mean? We can't, this is too much. You know, we can't do this, but he's like, of course we can. You ignorance know, would be my superpower. <laughs> it's ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, know, you, know, you knew what you knew. You would have never did. Right, 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 right. You, you know, it's funny. I, th- I, I think in all honesty, there is some value to that, right? Because a lot of people don't venture out because, you know, they look at others who have failed. They look at, you know, just all the reasons why it can't work versus someone who looks at a challenge and is like, let's try it. You know, I, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, what kind of problems exist here. I, I, don't, I don't know all the problems, but yeah. You know, I think we have what we need to overcome them, whatever they are. So ignorance can be a benefit, you know, I think in some, in some examples, right? Yeah. Obviously, you don't want to go into a blind, completely yeah. blind, you know. <laughs> you don't want to spend a million dollars for, you know, a piece of junk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done that too. <laughs> so the last one is um, the two of you, uh, a book, an, auto, an autobiography of the couple, uh, what would the title be? Oh, I already know. Mm, well, what, okay. do you think? what do you think, though? No, I, I think I think I know. Let's say it at the same time. One, two, three. Life, Life well crafted. crafted. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, beautiful. Boy, that's, 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 that's a happy union right I there. You guys can, can speak the same <laughs> sentence at the same time. But but I missed it. Life, love. No, life well Live life, love, no, smile. No, no, no. <laughs> life well crafted. Like so Life well crafted. Yeah, crafting a life that's like, you know, we're trying to build our life really intentionally. Um and doing it well, you know, and what does that mean to build something well or doing life well? And I think that could mean a lot of different things, but anyways. <laughs> I love that. So so the fact that you guys had that title tells me something. I don't know what it tells me. But what's, what's, what's behind it? There's a title you guys both have had in your head. What's the plan for that title? When COVID hit, um, we were both working jobs and it was like, all right, um, this is an opportunity. Like when remote work happened, it was like, you can work from anywhere. So we ended up getting an RV and said, let's go travel the country for four months. And in that, like we got super grounded to like, you know, what really matters. I think a lot of people did as well. You start to, you know, understand what matters more in life than what we were just busy around doing all the time. And then we said, well, if we're rebuilding everything, we just got married in COVID, we're doing an RV trip, throwing like life to the wind. What does it look like to craft a life that, that we enjoy living? And, and so it's finding like, you know, a healthy amount of finances. So we're taken care of. We don't have to be super wealthy or anything like that. That's not our goal. It's just to be like, there's a proverb about you don't want to be too wealthy or too poor, you know, and and just find that. I think that's like financial goal there. It's like eating well, like taking care of ourselves, trying to find that balance wheel of life. 
And then we were like, well, let's apply it. See if we can craft this life um, outside of the normal nine to five. So the nine to five broke up because of COVID. And then we started working on building this. And that's what's brought us to where we're at now. And now we're, you know, business is something that we craft. Aaron crafting communities, like we're kind of um, building different things. And we'll see where it goes. We're so early in it. But that was our idea. Like, what if we found areas that we learned along the way uh, how to live a life well crafted? Yeah. And I think it's also, the, you know, the message of the American dream used to be something, but now it's like almost like you're in this nine to five till you die, you know, and you're just walking through life. You're almost like a zombie and, and everyone yeah. accepts that of like, this is life, you know, this is what we do. This is. And so we're like, what if we, it's like to build a life that you truly love living. You don't feel like you have to have an escape from, or you're not living for your vacation and you're not like dictated by something out of your control. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. Building it, crafting mm. it as carpenters. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Wow. I love it. Well, I want to thank you first for so many insightful words and your experiences, because I know there's someone listening that's like, they're looking over. It's like, man, they're afraid to take the leap or even I love the way you say it was a side hustle. And then your side hustle made it so you could stick it without any risk whatsoever. Because a lot of times when you're on the outside looking in, you're like, man, they just left their corporate American job. It must have been risky. It must have been hard. But no, there's structure. There's a plan. And and thanks for sharing your stories and your journey with our listeners, because it's I think it resonates with most or all. And your voice will be spread around the world. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And I'll just add that the the, the mantra I saw in your on one of your posts, life is better lived together. You guys exemplify that in, in every aspect. So Thank, thanks so much for, for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having us. It was such an honor. You guys are awesome. Yeah.